Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. All right, standard of care. Now, the standard of care for neuropathy is kind of a two-pronged approach. Number one, you want to correct the causative factor. We have already talked about this, and this is so important. So if you go see your, your neurologist uh, and talk to him about, about um, neuropathy problems, they're going to try and get down to the bottom of it. Now, they, how hard they try depends on the neurologist. They may not put a ton of effort into it. Hopefully they do. Um, but, you know, again, if you don't have diabetics under control, that diabetic patient is not going to improve no matter what your treatment plan is. Second prong is um, prescribing medications to control pain. American Diabetes Association recommends starting with pregabalin or Lyrica, but everything from gabapentin to Cymbalta is used to treat these um, to try and reduce the pain. Opioids are often prescribed a little bit less now than they used to be, but they are still commonly prescribed for severe pain. And antidepressants are often recommended as well. I probably don't need to tell you because you're here on this webinar, but these are generally not great. The amount of relief that people get and the side effects they deal with make it very, very difficult to claim really good success um, with, with these medications, uh, medication strategies. For one thing, medication strategies don't reverse the cause. They're not going to stimulate healing. They're going to help control pain. But because most neuropathies are progressive, they're going to need more and more medication or the medications will work less and less as you go on. I have one other factor listed here. Sometimes IVIG uh, can be used. If you have an, an autoimmune neuropathy, uh, really a lot of times IVIG is great for controlling that inflammation, reducing the pain, and actually reducing the damage that's being done to the nerves. So, uh, but again, these are, these are pretty unusual. You know, the autoimmune infection stimulated uh, genetic inflammatory neuropathy is pretty unusual compared to the amount of chemotherapy and diabetic neuropathies that are out there. But IVIG can be a, a good a good tool, so don't uh, don't poo poo it. Now I've got a, a research um, quote from you here. I'm not going to read you this giant thing, other than to say that you know there's a lot of problems with some of these drugs. Uh, there's a lot of side effects, adverse drug reactions, um, and, and the fact that uh, they don't really give people a lot of relief is a problem too. There's only about, um, I believe the numbers were about 40% of people on these medications get a satisfactory level of, of pain relief. And while that's good, that 40% do, that means a lot of people are not getting good pain relief with these medications. So that takes us to laser therapy, right? Which is what we're all about here at LTI. That's what this webinar is about. Laser therapy is commonly termed uh, light therapy, cold laser, things like that. This is a patient-friendly description right here. We'll get more technical in a second. But essentially, laser therapy uses safe, non-invasive infrared light to stimulate light sensors deep within the body. This can drive increased circulation to damaged tissues and speed up cellular metabolism. That's your 30-second speech to your patient about how this works because you'll always be asked, well, how does it work? Well, this is, this is how. Laser therapy is now officially termed photobiomodulation. It just doesn't roll off the tongue quite as easily as laser therapy does. So we still use the term laser therapy because if you're using a laser, 
it's still laser therapy, but you'll see the term photobiomodulation used in most journals nowadays. So if you're looking at um, studies, photobiomodulation is the, the term for it. All right, another quote from a study here for you. They say, currently, photobiomodulation is defined as the use of non-ionizing optical radiation in the visible and near-infrared spectral range, which is absorbed by endogenous chromophores to elicit photophysical and photochemical events at various biological scales without eliciting thermal damage, leading to physiological changes and therapeutic benefits. That's a little less, less useful probably than what we just said a minute ago. But that's your more technical definition. That means you're using visible and invisible light to stimulate these different parts of the biology. Now, a big receptor of light for what we think uh, works right now is cytochrome C oxidase, which is part of the, meta, um, part of the metabolic chain in the, um, in the mitochondria. There's that word. And that stimulates more production of ATP, which produces good healing and regeneration responses within the body. What I want you to take away from this one is mostly that you are stimulating the body's own mechanisms. You're not, you're not burning anything here. We're not talking about thermal damage, right? We're not cutting. We're not destroying. You know, you're not breaking up scar tissue with this laser, okay? When we're talking about laser therapy, we're talking about stimulating the body's own mechanisms naturally with light. Let's get a little more technical too, because we got to talk about what type of light, right? We already said visible red and near infrared. So in this study, they said the wavelength of infrared radiation is easily absorbed by tissues and the loss of intensity is minimal, meaning you're not losing a lot of brightness going through the tissues. This affects metabolic modifications, DNA activity, ATP formation, and the mitochondrial chain. The effect of photobiomodulation is due to the absorption of photons, light packets, by cytochrome C oxidase in the mitochondrial respiratory chain, consequently increasing the cytochrome C oxidase activity and therefore ATP formation. ATP from injured regions or regions of impaired blood perfusion can reactivate injured cells and cells that have metabolic disorders. Photobiomodulation therapy is also related to pain and inflammation relief and prevention of tissue death to avoid neurological degeneration. Again, your neuropathy problems are progressive in most cases. They're degenerative. They get worse over time. So we're not only talking about making people feel better with light, we're talking about preventing this tissue death, preventing this thing from going on further and getting worse and trying to heal it, trying to reverse it. Now, among the effects of photobiomodulation on nerve injury, it was verified that the laser potentiated the process of nerve regeneration observed by morphoquantitative analysis of the axons and of the nerve fibers, in addition to assisting muscular reinnervation. So if you've got those motor neuropathies, not only should you be seeing a decrease in pain, but you should be seeing an increase in strength. Photobiomodulation in nerve injury was also related to a decrease in inflammatory cytokine levels and in pain and in the facilitation of neural regeneration. So we're looking at actual photochemical, photobiological effects that you are stimulating with the light. Again, you're not burning anything. You're not cutting anything. You're not just heating tissues up, right? This is absorption of the right type of light performing these photochemical changes. Laser therapy, they say, in particular for diabetic neuropathy, is an emerging treatment modality for management of neuropathic pain. It works by triggering biochemical changes within the cells. The evidence obtained shows low-level laser therapy, 
has a positive effect in controlling diabetic neuropathic pain. Another study. Diabetic peripheral neuropathy is the most distressing complication of the diabetic population, leading to loss of sensation, pain, and amputation. Laser therapy has been used to manage nerve injuries as it holds the potential to induce a biostimulatory effect with no side effects. That's the other good thing when it comes to laser therapy. You've got no side effects, no adverse reactions, no medication interactions you have to worry about. It doesn't matter if the patient's on a medication. Laser them. You're not going to have any side effects. Study goes on to say there is a significant increase in vitamin D and magnesium levels after laser therapy and considerable improvement in quality of life. And again, this is a study specifically looking at diabetic neuropathy. So the chemistry, the chemical environment of the nerve actually improved with vitamin D and magnesium level increases. Another study, diabetic neuropathy. As regards to nerve conduction velocity in the laser group, the perineal and sural nerve conduction was increased significantly. There was no significant change in the control group. So we have a controlled a control group getting sham laser, and we have an actual active laser group. Massive difference between those because you're increasing the function of both the perineal and sural nerve uh, conduction there. And so the mean amplitude of those nerves, uh, the, the nerve action, and the potential was increased significantly only in the laser group. Mean skin microvascular circulation was also measured at three different points and was found to be increased by over 35% in comparison with baseline. Again, only on the laser therapy group. One second, got a camera malfunction. We're good. Um, they go on to say that patients receiving laser therapy had a 26.4% decrease in pain throughout those four weeks of treatment. That is a significant improvement in just four weeks. In this particular study, they treated patients three times a week for four weeks. So 12 treatments led to a significant decrease in pain. Also, that skin microvasculature, that improved, that circulation improved, which means you're going to have ongoing changes. Now, this study did not go on to continue to follow these patients later. But what I've seen in clinical practice is that it is a self-stimulating process. You push the body in the right direction. You increase circulation. Pain comes down. They start being more active. You have more circulation and it just keeps getting better. They go on to say that given the non-invasive nature of the intervention, its high compliance rate and its safety profile with no adverse or side effects, deep tissue laser therapy should be considered a safe non-pharmacological addition to the standard of care for the management of pain in older adults with painful diabetic peripheral neuropathy. Another study. We're now on to chemotherapy-induced neuropathy. So patients that have had chemotherapy for cancer treatment. This particular study reviewed 26 different treatment options for, for this neuropathy and stated that to date, only Cymbalta and photobiomodulation can be considered to provide a modest benefit for patients with CIPN. Physicians may offer them for patients with cancer experiencing CIPN. What didn't work in this study? What did they say was garbage? Not worth the effort? All these right here. Gamapentin, oxycodone, laser acupuncture, different than laser therapy, scrambler therapy like Calm Air, interferential, uh, all these different things did not reach the level of evidence needed to be recommended. The only things, only two things it did were the medication Cymbalta, which we know doesn't heal, but will help prevent pain, and photobiomodulation, which helps with pain and also helps with nerve regeneration. This study says it could be concluded that laser therapy is more safe 
and effective than gabapentin in the management of neuropathy. And gabapentin is one of the most commonly prescribed medications. One caveat here is this was a rat study. So still very, very strongly worded conclusion uh, in favor of laser therapy for neuropathy pain. All right, we're still rolling on with some more studies here. They say evidence from clinical studies does suggest it is time to begin considering photobiomodulation therapy as a potential drug equivalent. In addition, PBM may have minimal or no adverse effects, can improve the quality of life and functional status and raise the current standard of care. So it is time to start using light therapy for neuropathy. Now, most of the time, once I get to this point, people are going, okay, all right, I, I get it. I, I see all the studies. So why isn't everybody doing it? If it works so well, why isn't everybody already doing it? There are some difficulties. For one, the guidelines tend not to keep up with the current studies. Um, only 50% only of guideline developers actually have a formal place or have a, a formal procedure in place for deciding when a guideline is out of date. Uh, the inflexibility of a guideline, which is not updated when new information becomes available, is a failure of evidence-based practice. So if you're using guidelines, you got to make sure they are actually up to date. And then the other unfortunate side here, if you look at this particular study, the folks that were evaluating light therapy uh, for the guideline were not actually well-versed in light therapy. So they did not know really what it was worth or if it would work. And they decided to recommend it against it which is where this paper was published is people uh, said, no, light therapy works. You just got to look at it. And, you know, you go look at the guidelines and find out they really don't keep up with the current, current status of, of, of research and studies. Another reason though, is the difficulty in selecting the right parameters and the right equipment to make this happen. If you look at this picture right here, this is just a picture of one of the, one of the K laser screens. There is a lot of, a lot of different uh, parameters here. You've got time, you've got peak power, average power, the frequency, um, how many different uh, wavelengths are being used. So this can be very difficult. This particular study said that there's difficulties in selecting the most suitable parameters for its application due to the lack of standardization since you know, wavelength, power density, irradiation time, light polarization, all those have repercussions on the biological effects. So if you've got the wrong settings or the wrong equipment, the wrong wavelength, your success rate is going to be very low. And this holds people back from really getting into it as well, because there's not a standard out there that you can just get the neuropathy laser and turn the neuropathy laser on and people magically get better. It's just not quite that simple. So people aren't doing it. You know, a lot of, a lot of folks are not using laser therapy yet. You have to have an effective and reliable photobiomodulation device. You need those good uh, effective protocols and settings that have been proven to work. You need a good intake and reevaluation process if you're going to be able to accurately evaluate these patients and then walk them through a recovery and treatment process. And you need the right kind of supportive nutrition and supplements as well, because it's just, you know, the laser is not a magic wand. It stimulates rebuilding. And if you've got, uh, if you don't have the raw materials on hand to help those nerves recover, well, in most cases, they just won't. Let's talk about getting the right PBM device. You have to have a device that can meet the requirements for neuropathy settings and parameters. Do not buy the cheapest laser out there. There's a lot of lasers. There are more and more every year. There's a lot of lasers that are manufactured and then rebadged. So there's a lot of different brands. If you buy the cheapest one you can find, you will pay for it in one way or another, um, whether it's through unreliability, 
or a lack of verified specifications. Maybe they say it'll produce this much power, but does it really? I highly encourage you to buy the highest quality laser you can, not the cheapest one. Generally, the more you invest in your laser, the faster your treatments will be every day. And your patients will get better faster as well. So you have to find that balance of expense uh, versus what you want to accomplish you know, in your clinic and what works for your patients. We do have a webinar on selecting a laser device. Now, today's webinar, we're, we're partnered with K-Laser USA for this. I love K-Lasers. It's great. This webinar here talks about it completely objectively. So if you want to look at what kind of laser device works for you, you can always check out this archived webinar. I'll drop a link to that one at the end here too. Okay. Another study, because this is the, these guys said it best. When it comes to the right wavelength, you have to, that's really your starting point for the right kind of photobiomodulation device. You have to have wavelengths that work somewhere in the 600 to 700 nanometer range, and then between 780 and 1100. You need to have irradiance or power density, somewhere between five milliwatts per centimeter squared up to five watts per centimeter squared, right? It can be pulsed or continuous, but this is, this is what you need to have. You, most other wavelengths are not going to work. If it's outside of these, you know, these boundaries here, that it's not going to produce the kind of healing photobiomodulation type response that you want. You need to be in the 600 to 700 range or between 780 and 1100. Now, once you've got the right wavelength, you got the right, um, uh, the right color of light, which is what the wavelength is, right? And you have to say, okay, uh, how much intensity, how much power do I need? So from this study, they said that they proposed two methods that can be used to modulate nerve pain based on irradiance levels. The first would use low irradiance in the range of 10 to 100 milliwatts per centimeter squared. That's not the power your device puts out. That's the concentration of how much power in a spot size that it puts out. So 10 to 100 milliwatts per centimeter squared will help cause a decrease in pain by altering chronic inflammation and decreasing mechanical allodynia. Second method utilizes much higher irradiances between 250 milliwatts per centimeter squared to 1.73 watts per centimeter squared. That will actually suppress the conduction velocity of sensory nerves and should reduce the amplitude of action potentials, which helps to rapidly block pain transmission. Both of those can be useful. I think right there, you can see one will help reduce pain because it doesn't let the nerve transmit those pain signals as well, while the other one is doing the healing. So there's a place for lower intensity and there's a place for higher intensity. The thing to keep in mind here though, is that these numbers right here are not magically the right numbers to use because they go on to say, that it's important to note that to transcutaneously through the skin, deliver these irradiance levels at the target tissue, you have to start with much higher power levels. Um, so the K lasers, the cube 30, the special, the, um, the live, they can, they can output between 50 milliwatts per centimeter squared and up to about four watts per centimeter squared. You have to understand that you're gonna lose 40 to 80% of the light at the skin surface. It's not even gonna make it in there. Only about 2% of light makes it to the deepest layers. So if you need to address nerve endings as well as some of those larger axons, then you need to be able to have much higher power levels. If you just go in with 10 milliwatts per centimeter squared uh, off a very small laser, it's unlikely to really reach deep enough to make any kind of uh, positive benefit. So you have to start 
with, as these researchers say, much higher levels so that by the time you do get down to these nerve endings, down to the nerve fibers, you still have a workable level of intensity. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.